0: Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This is for UFC Vegas 77. I'm Paul Shaughnessy. Producer Megan is on the sticks. Loser of a shoey bet, Cody Saftick, is on the line. This episode of the Dogger Pass Podcast and all episodes of the Dogger Pass Podcast are brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code DOP when making a new account. To get a match up to $100 on your first deposit. Cody. Hilarious. I mean, I went back to make sure. I'm like, we had a shoey bet on that, right? And I went back and watched the clip, and you were just like, here's the thing about Aguilar. He's never knocked anybody out. And what I say, I said, wouldn't it be a great opportunity Mm. to get your first knockout against somebody with no chin like Shannon Ross? And boom, what? One punch. Dead. Um, I mean Long I punch. wish I would listen Long to punch. myself There was like a plus like 750 or so On Aguilar knockout That was the spot That was the spot man But I mean at yeah, least it I, get, turns I, I, get to, I get to watch you Drink a, out of a shoe Which you know warms the cockles of my heart A little bit
1: Yeah, again, my inability to say no to even the greasiest of shoey bets or just any bet in general, just, you know, um, my competitive nature, I suppose, led me to Shannon Ross. Yeah, quite fitting that not only did he lose, he got knocked out, like you said, by a guy who never knocked a guy out and did so in 17 seconds. I don't feel bad about doing the shooey because of that. I feel bad because, like, the whole card for me as a whole, not very good. And UFC 290 was stacked. Nice card, looked good. This card looks awful. I got thrashed last week. This week, zero expectations. We'll probably do a lot better because that's just the way things go. But anyways, self-inflicted. Did it to myself. Nobody to blame. We're going with a booty, Paul.
0: Because the shoe is just not quite enough. Oh, that thing's dirty. Hold that up for the camera. Let us see. Like, has that been in the barn? Has that been in the barn before?
1: This has been in combat, Paul, right? Lord knows. Lord knows the things that this thing is walked on but uh, yeah yeah unfortunately i'm going and you know what this is a throwaway ufc fight night shows so why else are people tuning in no no just to see cody suffer but hopefully cody suffers and then him and paul have a good time breaking down some fights and pick some winners because there's some violence on this card we just got to get on the right side of it you and i you can break it down as i do this thing but uh this is like a loser leaves town card. Contender series is right around the corner. A lot of these guys, if you lose, you are gone.
0: There are people on this card, Cody, you were right. And we were talking about before you got on the air or before we, you know, hit the record button. And we're just like this. This looks like, yeah, this is a loser leaves town uh, card through and through. There are like people I, like Alexander Munoz. I assume that he had either retired or uh, Ashley, Evan <laughs> Ashley
1: Evan Smith.
0: What? Ashley Evan Smith is another one. It's just like people who haven't fought in so long, they're like still on. I guess they're probably still getting like some sort of like medical benefits and stuff. And the UFC's like, <laughs> gotta get them out of there because they have a fresh crop of contender series people coming in in a month. Um, yeah, there are. It, this is an ugly, ugly fight card. There's always gonna be some fight, some nice little ones. Like that shoey, he, he's getting after it. That is a nice one. That is a nice one. Not a boy. Not boy. Barn shoes and Ugh. all. We're going the opposite direction. I I basically started cheating with um, having like little children's rubber boots, and Cody just like ups the ante to an even more disgusting shoe. I, re- I respect it. I respect Let me it. tell you
1: something, Paul. Let me tell you something, Paul. No one's tuning in to see uh, a clean, why not just drink it out, <laughs> out of a pint glass? If I'm going to go to a Walmart and buy a children's size boot, which is nice and clean, Paul Shaughnessy's figured it all out. There's no holes in it. There's no leakage. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably gives it a little turn at the end to clear the bubble. Everybody has a I good I poured pint. water no, in no, it and no, swished
0: no. it around and it's then the drank plumbing. the water last week to make sure it was clean for the next time.
1: Yeah, I brought myself a secondary beer as well, just to wash down the after all awful aftertastes of shame and regret. But anyways, let's try to turn a new page here and jump into what is potentially and I know people have said this in the past, and it's the worst card they've ever seen, and this and that. People love to complain. These cards are for the most part pretty good. This card is is like no better than a LFA card. It's like no better for the most part. It's no better than your regular high-end regional show so in fact some regional shows got ufc veterans on them those shows are pretty dope this is a ufc card it feels like half of these guys are not ufc veterans so anyways
0: let's jump into it yeah wow. d- dude like i watched uh what bash on the beach i forget the name of xmma or something like that a few weeks ago that was card. maybe a month ago or so and just like Saeed
1: Kakramanov, brighter future. Scoggin's was on outside it. Outside of member, maybe Jack Maddalena, right? Like, he's dope. He got thrown yeah. on this week. The rest of it, woof.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, that card, in, in fairness, may be on par with what we're offering here. But, uh, pitter patter, let's get at her. We got Holly Holm taking on Mira Bueno Silva in the main event. Minus 180 for Holm, plus 155 for Silva. Um going to be probably I mean it's probably going to be your classic uh Holly Holm fight where she's so technical, strong on the feet, she can mix in wrestling a little bit. I don't know if she wants to do that early in this matchup cuz MBS has shown some uh some serious submission abilities, but at the end of the day MBS MBS sounds like a like an autoimmune disease or something. Um MBS at the end of the day, used to fight at 125 pounds. She's fighting at 135. Holly Holm would never make 125 pounds. She's got two inches in the height department on her, a few inches in reach. She's 40, 41. The the performances aren't exactly at the you know championship level that they used to be, but I think experience wins out here. She can win with volume on the feet. PrizePix has that at, like, 90.5 significant strikes. That number, I feel, is relatively tight because I think that this fight's going to be very, very similar to, like, the Ketlin Vieira fight where Holm doesn't really need to use takedowns, doesn't... She may be able to, like, sprinkle in one or two, but it's, like, her safest path to victory here is staying at range, countering when, uh, when MBS, you know, tries to break distance... And, and and winning the fight that way. I expect a slow, tepid affair, 25 minutes, and Holm gets her hand raised. Um, minus, there was, like, minus 145s on, like, Tuesday. I was considering adding it, and then the market moved to minus 180, moving towards minus 200. I feel like I kind of missed my shot to, to actually bet money on this main event. But Holly Holm will be the pick. What's your take here?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got to go with Holly Holm as well. Minus 180? Women's MMA again, Pat May would probably tell you you don't want to be paying that price tag. And at 40 years old, you know, if you're an ageist, you probably don't want to be paying that price tag as well. But she's like a Rolex watch, man. She just keeps going. And as time has progressed, it's like everything's going to start slowing down for her. I feel like Holly Holm has very high ring IQ and his ability to like change her game. Here was someone that was exclusively a boxer, kickboxer, good counterpuncher, someone with a good high kick. And now as the years have progressed, She's wrestling a lot more. She's using a lot more cage control. She's kind of conserving herself in spots. Still able to matador from the outside, still able to move, but she's booked in a lot of five-round fights. She's able to fight those five rounds. She's always in very good shape, good condition. It's the fact that she's 10 years older, right? I think that's the biggest concern. When I look at Mary Silva, outside of having those 10 years, yeah, she's got some, some good submissions, but you'd have to have some great submissions to take down Holly Holm and then submit her, right? Uh, She has been submitted in the past, Holly Holm has, but not in a very long time. And again, not at the highest level. So in terms of experience, you got to go home all day. In terms of style, you got to go home. Again, with Silva looking past at pretty much all of her opponents, she's been taken down at least one time in seven of her last eight fights. People that have taken her down, Jillian Robertson, who now fights weight class below, uh, Marina Moroz took her down twice, a boxer from Ukraine. She got taken down by Meryl Romero Barella, awful. Three times by Montana De La Rosa, who's a 115-er. Mano Fioro took her down, even though she's a French kickboxer. And, and very similar style, Mano Fioro, to Holly Holm, right? They mm-hmm. have that agility from the outside. They move in and out linearly. You have to chase them to hit them. So hard to hit these uh, hit these girls because they move back very well. Very good footwork. And at the same time, Mano Fioro mixed in the two takedowns. Well, Holly Holm's got better wrestling than Furo, and she's bigger than Furo. So she should be also able to mix in those takedowns. Outside of that, she then gets taken down by Wu Yanan. She got taken down by Stephanie Egger. And then her last time out against Lena Landsberg, thankfully, didn't get taken down by Lena Landsberg. But this is an entirely dif- different ballgame, sorry. I think Holm is able to do just that. Matador from the outside, mix in takedowns, win rounds, and then certainly take this fight into the later stages, and then win those championship rounds. Win, win 3, 4, 5 if you have a bad start. Or win one of the first two rounds, and then win... Two of the last three rounds, like home can pace herself. She's got the experience. She's got that uh, that that high ring IQ, as I mentioned earlier. I think she just puts it together. Likely wins a decision, the way Holly Holm generally does. Um, but I gotta go with Holly Holm.
0: Yeah, it sounds like we're up. Yeah, and then on price Picks is like ninety point five significant strikes. I don't know. I feel like if it... I don't know know if I like that. Well, exactly. I said, like, it was... It kind of reminded me of the ketlin Vieira fight, which Holm ended up losing, but was, you know, very, very hotly contested in terms of um, the scorecards and all of that. But she got 96 there. So it's like, there may be a slight edge, but... I think she's going to mind her P's and Q's and like 90 doesn't seem too far off. So I don't really see much of an edge there. Won't be adding the main event to my prize picks tickets this week. Moving on down, we've got Jun Young Park taking on Albert Duraev. 150 for the Iron Turtle. Uh, Durayev can be had for plus 130. What are your thoughts here, bud?
1: Yeah, this just seems like a spam bet on the underdog because I think it's going to be a close fight. And I think Durayev could have a lot of success against someone like the Iron Turtle, Jun Young Park. But man, when I think about it, I think Park's got a lot of uh, good going for him here. Mindly derived when you think about him. Here's a, you know, here's a tough Russian takedown artist. He's a strong physical guy that's going to peel you to the ground and put a mauling on you. And although he is capable of doing that, there's some major red flags across the board for him. So when he jumped on the Contender Series, it was his first fight in three years. Guy hadn't fought for three years, the prime of his career, and then all of a sudden he jumps onto the contender series and wins a first-round submission. His fight with Roman Kopylov, UFC debut, he gasped pretty good in that Kopylov fight. He was right tired in the third round, and he got hurt in the third round. The other thing worth noting is that he went one for nine in takedowns against Roman Kopylov. Mm-hmm. Now, Roman Kopylov's issue is that he just really can't wrestle. right? That's his issue. He's not a good wrestler. So for Daraev to go one of nine against him, big red flag. Big enough of a red flag that, you know, we jumped on Joaquin Buckley thinking maybe Buckley could stuff these takedowns and hurt him. That's exactly what happened. He went two for nine on takedowns against Joaquin Buckley, but ultimately couldn't hold him down, couldn't get him down consistently, had to stand. He's more of a low output guy, gets his eyes swollen shut. I thought I had him figured out. So unfortunately, I give back my profit from that win because I bet Chidi and Jaquani's next time out. It's like it's a close fight. Uh, again, he goes two for three for takedowns against Chidi and Jaquani, so a much better result. But there's against, like, a tall Muay Thai fighter who gives up takedowns fairly easily. You can wear on him. I thought he definitely got hit a lot, definitely got stung a lot. And against Park, Park's going to have a lot higher volume. He's a better striker. He got knocked out by Robocop, but outside of that, he very much is the Iron Turtle. He's durable. He's got okay cardio. And he's not the easiest guy to take down. You saw two, three fights back. I think it's two fights back against Eric Anders. Anders had a ton of cage control time. You know, he even did get a few takedowns. Just didn't really hold them down, didn't get much going with the cage control time, and ultimately the judges sided with the volume from Park. Now, a lot of people complained online, man, it's takedowns all day from Anders versus some volume off the cage from Park. That's what we're maybe going to need here if you're going to take Park. You're going to need the judges to side with you because I think he's going to have the volume. I think he's going to do the damage. I think he's going to win the striking exchanges. But there is a plausibility that either Drive does take him down or struggles to take him down, which I'm thinking happens, but is able to just hold him up against the cage and maybe win some time like that. Now, when I watch back on the derive stuff, he's not a hold you against the cage for 15 minutes kind of guy. He wants to fight, right? The guy wants to put on a show. He wants to bang. He wants to club you with that overhand right. He wants to try to mix it up. And so if he tries to fight Park, then uh, it's a good fight. It's a competitive fight. Drive can win it. But I do think I would ever so slightly favor Park to get the job done. So that's where I'm going to end up going here.
0: I'm going to lean ever so slightly to Park as well. Uh, on prize picks, I think they got like 44.5 significant sh- or forty four point five significant strikes. I like that to go over. Get the over on that. Yeah, like Park's sure. been finishing his last two fights, but it's because he's been taking on guys who can't really grapple, and he's been taking advantage yeah. of the fact that he's a much better grappler than them been taking them down and finding what rear naked chokes in both of those uh those last two fights uh against uh and joseph holmes respectively i think that's kind of off the table here he's not the better wrestler he's going to be trying to keep it on the feet use that chin derive hasn't shown me like the type of power i think this is like one of those fights kind of like how you were talking about that goes the full 15 it's real real greasy uh, real real greasy decision and i'll lean towards park at minus 150 i don't love the price there because i could see it really going either way either way with the way judging is these days to be perfectly honest uh could be an interesting fight i don't know if there's any odds out for it yet but you know how like some of these some of these books have like fight ends by split decision I don't think that this is a bad spot for that. You could see like Daraev getting some takedowns, winning some judges' favors, um, by getting a little bit of control time, but the better strikes on the feet, the more volume goes to the Iron Turtle and you know, Adelaide Bird's got her Coke her uh Coke bottle glasses on. She can't really see anything that's going on ninety percent of the time. So, uh and you got Chris Lee and you got cousin Sal in the venue, like this seems this seems what like go type wrong? of fight what could go yeah. wrong what could go wrong a split decision so if you have like fight ends by split decision like i don't know what the odds on that would be but they're probably pretty wide and i don't hate it i'll be on the lookout at some of my books later in the week to see if uh if if it would be worth it i don't even know how they usually price those ones but like if it's like 8 to 1 or something like that that would definitely be of interest to me Alright, moving on down. We've got Big Norm Dumont taking on Chelsea Chandler. Minus 140 for Big Norm. Plus 120 for Chelsea Chandler. Went back and watched the Chandler fight. Um she's a bruiser. That that performance in her UFC debut, it's just like, you know. Um uh, goes out there, stole your stinko, like tries to take her down. She kind of reverses it, ends up in mount, pounds her a little bit. And then yeah, multiple times over the course of it. So, like she showed that she at least was like cognizant in those positions. Like very, very strong in those positions. Tough to move around. Obviously that was at 135 pounds. This is or that was at a catch weight of 140. 140. Yeah. yeah and then this is obviously taking up Big Norm who, you know, never makes one thirty five. Usually when she would have a fight for one thirty five, would come in at around one hundred forty. Um, and she's been on a on a hell of a run there. I think Big Norm's got the technical advantages on the feet here, but I don't know. Chelsea Chandler's a bit of a bruiser, kind of a plotter, kind of moves forward, throws hammers, and I, I feel like that type of style could cause problems for Big Norm here. So ever so slightly, I'm leaning towards the underdog Ch- Chelsea Chandler to get the job done here. What What are your thoughts? And it really, it really comes down to like the price here, like minus 140 plus 120. It's like, I think it's going to be a super, super close fight. Um, Chandler showed in that, in that Stoliarenko fight. That's like, you know, she, uh, if she can keep that pace, 38 significant strikes in the first four minutes and 15 seconds, like big Norm's going to be in big trouble. So I'll lean towards Chandler. What are your thoughts here? The fact that you're leaning with Chandler is not a good
1: sign because you love big Norm. You always big. bet big Norm, and you've had oh, yes. a lot of good results with her. So interesting to see that you'd go the other side. Honestly, I think this is the kind of play that at plus money, you're maybe just going to take whoever it is as the value side. Chelsea Chandler looks like she can come in. She looks like she can bang. She looks like she throw hands. But for 15 minutes in a, in a tough spot against a former, you know, I, I don't know, title challenger, I don't know how you would you would put it in this division. And here's the other question. What is this division? Because you Amanda Nunez just retires, so 45 is dead. Dana White says at the press conference, 45 pretty much dead. Big Norm can't make 45. Chandler fought at 140 her last time out, so they're like, do you want it? She jumps up. So is that an advantage for Big Norm, the only actual featherweight on the roster? Probably. She's got okay takedowns. I wouldn't say she's got good wrestling, but she's got an ability to get her opponents down to the ground. She, uh, you know, slows down the pace of most of her fights. But it's such low volume, Paul, that like, someone is going to win on the judges' scorecards just by working and going for it. And it seems like Chelsea Chandler, who I think spent a lot of time at Cesar Gracie's camp with the Diaz's, uh, she's there to fight. She's there to scrap. So again, I think you're going to need the judges to be on your side. You're going to be happy to look for damage and output instead of just cage control and maybe a couple takedowns here and there. But Dumont suffocates there. Chandler probably lands the better shots. How they judge that, I don't know. But if you're going to lean it towards a 50 50 type fight based on which judges are sitting cage side, yeah, you want the plus money. You're going Chandler. I should just as a random dog pick. But because you love Big Norm so much, I'll take Big Norm. And if you want to take a shoey bet on it, I'll Mm. give you a
0: shoey bet on it. I don't know. I don't know if I would be able to live with myself. All just
1: turning down. I'm taking the stupidest of shoey bets. But Paul, that's fair. That's fair, though. Trust me, I don't actually want to take a shoey bet on this. I just want to see if I
0: could goat you into it. All right, well, if you don't want to do it, then sure, I'll do it. Reverse Um, psychology
1: worked again. Okay, it's on.
0: Okay, but I actually like. I'm actually kind of considering the like. This could be like super dumb, but like I'm actually kind of considering the under here. Like a plus. You think
1: you think uh, she TKOs
0: or fight doesn't go to the decision? Like plus one seventy. I mean, Big Norm got. I I can never get it out of my the Megan Anderson fight where it's just like somebody brought too much heat to the kitchen and Big Norm couldn't handle it. Um Chandler, don't get me wrong. Watching Chandler's fight gal watching Chandler's fight back is just like this could be the person that like overwhelms Big Norm again. It's been a good run for Big Norman. I've been betting her as an underdog. But um but yeah, the volume kinda scares me with her. It's like what? Out of all of her fight Ashley Evans Smith, who we'll talk about in the uh in the money fight, which is the first fight of the night, um that's the, that's the only time she's eclipsed 90 significant strikes. Most of the time, it's like 68, 65, 38, 52. Like, we're pretty low volume there. And Chandler, if if Chandler can keep the pace that she did against Stoliar Rankle in round one, I don't even think this is relatively close. So, I'm glad to take the shoey bet with you. And I've got an mm. eye for this under. Under under two and a half plus 180. Maybe just fight go, doesn't go to decision a little bit later or a little bit later there's plus 155 Plus 155s plus 170 at 1 book um i think this could be like kind of a sneaky one that doesn't actually go to the scorecard small cage i don't know i have to i have to really think about it but that's when i was watching tape for chandler that i was kind of being like all right this girl throws this this girl's violent um, uh, Ch- no, norm hasn't really taken on anybody who can do much finishing um, in a while here, so yeah that 's where my mind's at there uh Fair enough. moving on down we've got Francisco Prado taking on otman azeittar minus one twenty for Prado plus one hundred for a i mean this one's got a this one's a banger code this one's got violence. Yeah, that under
1: one and a half at minus one sixty five looks pretty decent nice because they are going to go for it
0: My only concern with the under uh at plus one or minus one sixty five is like Uh, We saw Ottman's chin get cracked, obviously, against Frivola. But, like, this Prado kid, he's 21 years old. He didn't get hit that often against Malarkey. Don't get me wrong. He he had a decent account for himself. His takedown defense was pretty dreadful. Um, I will say that. But, like, he's young, getting a little bit better. I think he hits hard, especially when you look at his regional scene fights. He hits hard enough. But, like, the big concern I would have with the under one and a half is... What if he's just able to take an obscene amount of damage? We don't really know because we've never really seen him have to take that type of damage over the course of his career. I'm gonna I'm gonna back the kid here. I think Ottman is a little bit stiff, rigid in his striking. Uh, it could be really, really, really dicey early, but uh, I'll, I'll go with youth in Prado, who I think, you know, people are gonna be like, oh, well, Malarkey lost to Naimov, and just like, well malarkey was dominating the naimov fight and that's just mma being a cruel bitch you know sometimes you can be winning the fight and then all of a sudden boom one shot changes everything that's kind of what happened there so he was hanging in there particularly on the feet against uh, a seasoned veteran and jamie malarkey that fight was on short notice i'm expecting big improvements from the kid so prado will be the pick i'll be looking for like Prado props for the towards the under um I think Otman. we we saw that's like you know he makes a really good hammer but he's not a great nail uh Favola put his lights absolutely out so I'm gonna side with who I think could potentially have the chin to endure uh, a really really tough like a really really crazy war early between these two guys Prado for me what will you
1: yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Zaytar. I think it's, it's going to be an absolute scrap. Under one and a half type fight. Someone's probably likely getting knocked out. Yeah, but I, I feel like Zaytar has at least fought the better level of competition. Now you can say, oh man, he got knocked out by Matt Fravola." Turns out, Matt Fravola not too bad. He had blasted Gennaro Valdez, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Then he absolutely blasted my man in this spot. And then he goes on and knocks out Drew Dober, the first guy to ever knock out Drew Dober. Absolutely filthy KO. Damn, you know what I mean? zetar is one of these guys that's going to stand in front of you and throw down. And if you're a high-level mixed martial artist that could beat him to the punch, maybe you're going to clip him first and knock you out. If he can beat you to the punch, you're going to have problems. I think with Prado, this kid looks like he can absolutely go, but he's 21 years old. In fact, he turned 21 like three weeks ago made his debut against Jamie Malarkey at the age of 20, coming off the Argentinian regional scene, which is a tough regional scene with a lot of very physically strong guys. But again, he's a first-round knockout guy. Goes out there, gets that first-round knockout. Otman Azitars had three fights in the UFC, all of which it ended in the first round. Mm-hmm. So to say that he's got the cardio advantage, I don't know that he does. Who knows what his cardio is like? And you know, yeah, he's got money and he trains with some good guys and what was in the bag? I don't know what was in the bag. There's a potatoes. lot of questions concerning. Oh, yeah,
0: potatoes. He came out and said potatoes.
1: No. Yeah, yeah, potatoes. potatoes. Yeah,
0: potatoes. Sure.
1: Well, now he's getting uh, now he's getting a tough hungry Argentinian kid in front of him, ready to throw down. So, again, Azetar is a good striker. He, no, I wouldn't say he's a good striker. He's a very powerful striker. He's got very big power in both hands. He's got that capability of knocking you out and I don't think he knocks out prado so is he willing to fight a hard three i don't know but this 21 year old kid from argentina who could take one hell of a punch i feel like if this thing gets greasy he'll end up prevailing down the stretch so it's not really an underdog play because it's plus 100 but i f- I, I don't know i I, f- I swing back and forth in this one all the time azatar is my was my initial pick right and then the more you think about it if this thing gets out of that one round one and a half round I think Credo takes over because I don't think it makes it that far. I think Zaytar has fought the better level of competition. A loss for Favola. I'm not going to hold it against him. Guy fights once every 14 months. Not good. Tons of red flags across the board. But he's plus 100. He's technically the underdog, so... As much as I don't mind Prado, and I can see him winning, and it would be a good live bet. If this t- kid takes an absolute lumping in the first round and survives and makes it back to his duel yeah, and is a good plus money, yeah, then I might consider taking him because I think he might be able to fight his way back into it. But uh, a azetar has got to be the pre-fight flop at plus 100.
0: All right, fair enough. Moving on down. We got another banger. Nazim Sadikov taking on Terrence McKinney You want to talk about live bet opportunities, Dang Cody uh, Nazim Sadikov is a minus 135 favorite uh, McKinney can be had for plus 115 um, McKinney is a ferocious beast for about 5-6 minutes um, I mean, we were just talking about frivola, Knocked him out in pff, like record time, basically uh, he comes out, he comes at you really, really fast. Last time out against, uh, Ishmael Bombfemi, he kind of tried to like take his foot off the pedal a little bit and that didn't really work because even though he wasn't coming full throttle at him, wasn't like hunting the finish, like we had come to know with Terrence McKinney, he kind of still proved that he didn't have, you know, enough cardio the last 15 minutes. In an MMA fight, gets finished in the second round. Um, a lot of money is coming in on McKinney. And I think the safe way to go about this fight is another one from a live betting perspective. If McKinney's comes out super, super hard, we know he can't keep that pace. He's had some moments, you know, against Drew Dober, super, super tough guy um where he, he causes so much causes so much damage almost closes the fight out and then he kind of just falls off of a cliff if sadikov can take some damage take those early lumps you're gonna get a much better price than minus 135 but because i know that he can fight you know 15 full minutes if it, if it has to come down to it I gotta side with him at minus one thirty-five. Uh, buyer beware. He was down two rounds on all uh, all judges' scorecards against Evan Elder, and then the you know landing landing a perfect what elbow to to cut open Elder is what headbutt. is was it was it a headbutt? No, I don't
1: know. I mean he got lucky on a cut stoppage is the main thing. Is
0: it lucky or is a perfectly perfectly placed shot? Come on, doctors are there to protect you. And uh, Elder was up 2 nothing for sure But like they were close rounds It was a competitive fight It's not like it was one-way traffic by any stretch of the imagination And he still was able to find a finish Throw a shot that was hard enough to, uh, to break skin in the third round I don't know if Terrence McKinney can do that So I'll pick, uh, pick Sadakov. But I think it's a much better live bet Make sure do- his head doesn't fall off in the first like five minutes uh, Sadakov for me, what about you?
1: I got to go with Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney epitomizes the kind of guy that, at plus money, you're willing to take a shot on because he's likely going to go for it. And he's got an ability to potentially knock out or submit most guys in this division very early if he chooses to go for it. Now, generally, yeah, I mean, he's balls to the walls early and often. You know, three, maybe three and a half minutes worth of cardio, big explosiveness, tries to put you away. If he does, If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, in the famous words of Harold Howard. Unfortunately for the Bomb theme fight, he decides, you know what? I'm not going to bum rush him. I'm going to try to play this fight tactical. All my coaches are telling me, take your time, conserve your energy, pace yourself. So he tried to do that versus Bomb theme, and he looked awful. He did not look like himself. He was not explosive. He sat there and let the fight come to him instead of bringing the fight to Bomb theme. And as a result, spectacular KO flying. He lost the first round for the record. And then gets KO'd in the second round with a flying knee. So, bad news, bad news. But right away, he jumps on social media, and he's like, I let everybody get in my head about pace yourself, take your time. I need to go back to what I do best. And that's go out there and try to get the finish. And I think that's what he's going to do here. Because when you look at Sadikov, Sadikov's got one pro loss. First pro fight, by the way, it's his debut. But he gets re choked in a minute, right? Outside of that, you can make the argument that he's fought softer level of competition. And then the elder fight, he got knocked down. He got hit plenty. He's down two rounds against Elder, and then comes back and gets the cut stoppage. If he can survive long enough, and he's one of these tough, you know, uh, Team Sarah Longo kind of guys, if he's tough enough to last into the third round, then it's hard to imagine McKinney in a third round, to be perfectly honest with you. But the wrestling should be there for McKinney. He should be able to rack up takedowns. You've seen Sadakov give up two takedowns on uh, the Contender series against Ash, uh, Ahmed Daza, who's not very good. But he gave up two takedowns there, and then he gave up a takedown to Elder, who was more of a striker. I think the wrestling should be there for McKinney if he wants to use it. I think the explosiveness, the speed advantage, the power advantage is also there for McKinney if he wants to try to get to the punch, land something, swarm him, and put him away before the kid, get, the kid gets started. I'm looking at that one and a half because this is a pure violence fight. And with McKinney plus money, I think he could do a lot worse. So I think he gets it right. Clearly, the kid's got a ton of talent. He just needs to figure out how to put it together. Now he's either going to put it all together or he's going to end up being like Melvin Gillard and have all the talent in the world, but just like zero direction and ability to tie a good game plan together. And then, you know, falter out in life, Ah, not in life, but falter out in mixed martial arts. Melvin faltered out in life. I'm not going to put that burden on Terrence McKinney, but in terms of getting back in the win column, I think this kid is promising. He's not one of the guys I expect the UFC to cut because he's very exciting. He just needs to put it all together. And Sadakov's the kind of the right opponent for him to do so. So experience advantage. Uh, All those advantages, there's a speed advantage, a power advantage, an experience advantage, a wrestling advantage, definitely not a cardio advantage. But all those other things, and he's plus money, I'm willing to take a poke.
0: Fair enough. All right, moving on down, we got uh, Melsic Bagdasarian taking on Tucker Lutz. Minus 160 for Melsic, plus 140 for Tucker. Who you got here, bud?
1: Yeah, so here's probably a bad play from me, but I I, I am flirting with the idea of maybe taking Tucker Lots. I don't really like Melsic all the same. When, when you look at Melsic Bagdasarian, he's one of these rugged, tough Armenian strikers that'll beat yo ace if you stand in front of them. But like a lot of these guys, you either got to have that grappling or you don't. The best Armenian fighters... They got some judo, they got some wrestling, they got some ability to stuff the takedown, keep it up. They're all dangerous strikers, all of them, right? It's how are you going to add that grappling if you want to be a good mixed martial artist. Now, a guy like Armin Petrosian, you know, he's a great example. He's a world-class, solid K1-level kickboxer, comes into MMA, nobody wants to stand with him. They all take him down, so you have to work the wrestling, get it up to snuff. It's just like a part of the game that needs to be done. When you look at, say, Edmund Shabazian, here's a kid with all the skills in the world, right? He needs to add that wrestling and add that grappling to his game plan. But he's through Edmund Taverdian, and he spends a lot of time with Edmund Taverdian, And as a result, he never adds those elements to his game, and he fans out. Sure, he's moved to Las Vegas, but it's ingrained in him. He's behind the eight ball now. Was a young prospect, now he's trying to play catch-up. When you look at Melsic, and you can check out social media, Melsic and Edmund they he's getting in that work. He wants to strike. He wants to go out there and punch out Tucker Lutz. And if Tucker Lutz stands with him, which he's stupid enough to do, and his wrestling's not all that good, so he probably will stand in front of him, Melzick's going to murder the guy. But if Tucker Lutz can force a wrestling game on him, which uh, certainly he's going to try, I I think he could have a lot of success. And at plus money, I'm almost willing to try it out. In terms of making straight plays on this card, in terms of taking a couple small underdog shots late on the PRP, in terms of stuff like that, yeah, dogs are going to come through. Melsick's not the kind of guy at favorite status. I want to back up a whole ton. Now, what's going on with Lutz? Well, Lutz has not looked good. Has not looked good recently. One in the contender series looked he looked okay in the contender series. They didn't give him a contract. Has to come back and fight a second time in the contender series. Wins again. Looks alright. Doesn't look spectacular. Wins alright, but it's a second win in the contender series. Bring him into the UFC. Beats Kevin Aguilar. That was an okay fight. It's the last two in particular. Pat Sabatini's world class grappler, not wrestler, world class grappler. And he easily just breaks, beats the breakoff lots. Who survived, credit to him, but like not even competitive. And then the Damon Jack or the Daniel Pineda fight, he starts off good early in the first round and then just absolutely gets chin checked at the end of the first, drops down, hurt. I felt like Pineda stole that round back by hurting him late. And then in the second round, he still hasn't regathered himself. Pineda puts him away. Now, Pineda's a way better wrestler grappler than belt, uh, Bagasarian. So yeah, maybe Lutz just wasn't able to take him down and wasn't able to really force his game plan on him. But it's very concerning to me that if you're going to get rocked that bad, taking on a tough Armenian killer, you're probably going to get chin checked at some point, and I wouldn't want Lutz. So this is like mostly a stay away fight. If you're the pass type of person, just pass all together. If you're looking to play this low, low, low in the priority level, play it that way. But I feel like Lutz got chin checked his last time, didn't like it, realized what he needs to do. Sure, he got submitted, but he was hurt before. Needs to know what he needs to get back to, which is the wrestling, and just try to take him down and out-grapple him. And so, probably a bad play. I have zero confidence in Tucker Lutz, but I feel like there's an angle there that he can out-grapple him and use some wrestling. So, again, zero confidence out of me, but I got to take some underdogs here and there. I'm going to take Tucker Lutz, very reluctantly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what you said makes sense. I feel like we've kind of missed the the Tucker Letts side. I feel like kind of missed a whole bunch of the value literally on Tuesday, like the market moved from, you know, Melsic was down as low as minus 200 for like the longest time. And then literally on Tuesday, uh, obviously somebody touted it, somebody with, uh, a lot of subscribers or something because, like, the entire market moved all the way across. And now I kind of feel like the market's pretty accurate at, uh, you know, 60-40 split here. I see a lot of the things that you're saying about Tucker Lutz being able to utilize the grappling. I mean, even even Melsik in the, in the about fights, like, he had a very good round or very good first round. Um, yeah, the volume's always kind of low, but he was landing some good stinging shots there. He has one kick caught, and it's like yeah, all she didn't wrote. Even, get gives, he didn't back, even get taken down gives up his back, loses, <laughs> yeah. yeah, gets choked out. Like it was pretty, pretty ugly, man. Um, and then Tucker against Pineda, it's like I don't really like his striking defense, so I feel like Melsic could definitely exploit the hell out of that on the feet, land some massive shots. Um. And caused some big problems for him So like at minus 160 plus 140 I don't know if there's very much meat on the bone I think the market has corrected itself sadly uh, I don't think I'm going to be betting it myself I'll lean towards because I'm just not convinced in Tucker Lutz's wrestling ability But um yeah, I mean, if I was doing a PRP, this would be all the way at the bottom of the list because I don't have too much... I
1: completely agree.
0: I don't have too much confidence in this one at all, but uh, we move on. We got Victoria Dudikova taking on Estella Nunez, minus 200 for Dudikova, plus 170 for Nunez. Nunez is kind of in a bunch of her fights showing us that it's like she can, she can definitely cause some serious problems in like the first round, first seven and a half minutes... But her one glaring, glaring weakness here—like, I mean, she knocked Wariki down. That should have been kind of a telltale sign of what was going to happen with Wariki yeah, against Denise Gomes—is that, <laughs> you know, her chin. We may have to remodel or uh, rework our models on the on the Mexicans can't get knocked out. Cody. Um,
1: no, no, no. Pat Pat models king. Pat models works above every other model. The I've CF dot model
0: supersedes yeah, yeah. the Mexicans can't the most get knocked, profitable. knocked out model. <laughs> It's the most
1: profitable model in the game. Okay, so Pat wins again. It's what happens, and uh, yeah, that's what I chalked that one. At.
0: You know what? I, I always like CF dop. I live I live by it, and I see a lot of money coming in on Nunez here. But my, my biggest my biggest problem here is it seems like the one thing that Dudakova can do is what Nunez struggles with. It's like Sam Page that fight. It's like Sam Page was getting rocked all the way around in round one. And then was able to survive and was able to um, absolutely, you know, d- like, win all, ex- all, all the wrestling exchanges down the stretch in that fight. And then, like, I believe there was a point loss in round three as well, which made, like, the scorecards kind of funny and all of that. But Nunez's big, biggest struggle is that she, her wrestling, her defensive wrestling has been a massive, massive red flag. Dudakova was, like, a big-time underdog for her contender series fight. Um, she was like plus 250 underdog um, on yeah. the contender series. And then now she flips into coming in as a favorite. It's just like, don't get me wrong. I really struggled to see how I would ever bet minus 200 due And I imagine on top of that, her by decision is probably close to evens or something like that. Nah, her by decision plus 175 could have some interest to me. Um, Dudakova is going to be the pick. I like going with the CF dub, but I feel like the one thing Dudakova does well is what is how she's going to win this fight, which is just, you know, consistently stick to the wrestling game plan and hold control. Um, so Dudakova for me, what about you? Oh, it sounds just, I feel just sick. Just saying that code.
1: Yeah. Listen, if Bellator MMA has taught me anything over the last six years, uh, it's that young, hot, blonde undefeated russians no that usually doesn't go too well they get exposed at some part but all blatant sexism aside and inadvertent sexism i don't mean it in the slightest like bad way it's just she's 24 years old she's got the look she's undefeated she's barely been tested it's very easy to jump behind due to kova now if she comes on the contender series everyone does the tape research everyone check, looks into it Here's a girl that's fighting amateur as re- recently as 2019. Is an IMAF champion, fought a decent level of amateur, but she's still very, very green. She's very young, jumps onto the contender series and then wins. It was like a plus, somewhere in the 240 range, I believe it was. Plus 240 underdog. So there wasn't a whole lot of support for her, but she goes out and she gets a win over, you know, an under fellow undefeated, only uh she was an 8-0 Brazilian prospect, I suppose. But yeah, four takedowns. Four takedowns. 19 significant strikes landed so no ground and pound no real submission threat she was able to outpower and take her down estella nunez meanwhile is your quintessential brazilian murderer she will come and put it on you she is explosive she's got heavy heavy power and she cannot fight longer than just like you said that's seven seven and a half minutes but i'll be damned if this girl hasn't looked somewhat good in all of her ufc fights her fight with ariana carnalosi man she started off good uh, she actually outstruck her 62-36 to 36 overall with the five takedowns, and she gassed out. She loses the fight. But she shows she can strike. She won early. She faded out. Her fight with Sam Hughes, she smokes Sam Hughes in the first round. It is a beating. In the second round, Sam Hughes is like, oh, she's tiring, and I can wrestle her. The takedowns come a lot easier. The explosiveness is gone from Stella Nunes. All of a sudden, takedowns work. Sam Page breaks her down. And then just like you said against Yasmin Jeriqui, knocks her down early. Look good explosive early. The pace from Yeriqui um, catches up with her and kind of fades her down the lane. I don't know that she's able to get her cardio to snuff. I don't think this is someone that's going to fight a 15-minute fight solid. I think she's going to come out. She's going to either knock you out in that first you know, round and a half or fade out. In the case of Dudakova, she's going to give Dudakova a hell of a fight for the first round. So why would you bet Dudakova at this money line right now mm-hmm. if you like her better after the first round she'll probably get dummied in the first the way estella nunez beats most opponents in the first round and just like sand just like other girls in the past after the first take her down grind her out you'll get a much better money line on this thing For after sure. the first round which i would assume nunez probably wins due to needs to slow her down survive early get that wrestling going and i think you're gonna have a much better idea as the fight progresses. So much better live betting opportunity. But in terms of the pre-fight flop. So got to make a pre-fight pick. I think I will also take Dudikova. Because I think cardio and wrestling. Are like two things you need to win a fight. And Nunez is 0-3 in the UFC. Because she lacks both things. So you know. Can't get behind her. This is good dog money to get behind her. But why not just. I don't know. I, personally I just I can't do it. Pat's probably right again. But personally I just can't get there.
0: Yeah, I think you did a lot better if you, you know, grabbed the opener at plus 400. If you took it at plus 300 all the way down to plus 240. Now it's even stomped on even more. It's down to plus 157. Money just keeps coming in on that side and I understand that She's sh- going to look heart. she's going to look probably like the favorite in the first 5 minutes, but at a at women's 115 pounds, if you can't go a full 15 you're not gonna win too many fights. Um, I mean, that's why she's 0 3 in the UFC. It's just like it just kind of falls off of a cliff. She sets a pace that she can't keep. So maybe maybe she'll make the adjustments, keep this at range if she can sprawl and brawl, not let Dudikova take her down whatsoever. She'll she'll look like minus 300 in this spot. But I feel like Dudikova, even if she eats some shots early is going to prevail and be able to secure those takedowns, particularly as Nunes gets more tired. Um, So I guess we'll find out on Saturday. Moving on down, we've got uh, Melk Costa taking on Austin Lingo. Minus 200 for Costa, plus 170 for Lingo. Who you got here, bud?
1: Yeah, I feel like you got to go Melk Costa. Here's a guy that looks like a first-round power puncher, and for the most part, I think he's probably going to be one of these guys that wants to finish early. Not completely sold on his cardio quite yet. But, uh, yeah, he looked good against Thiago Moises. I think he looked good, especially early. Problem is, takedown defense, not quite up to snuff. And against a good grappler like Moises, a guy that's got a lot of experience, very, very, very tough UFC debut in every aspect. The four takedowns ultimately was his demise, and he gets choked out, rear naked choke at the tail end of the second round. But, yeah, again, I feel like his striking is fast, explosive, you know, some combination punching, good right hand. Austin Lingo, meanwhile, it's very basic. It's like st- straight in front of you, you know, doesn't move a whole lot. One-twos, one-twos, jab, maybe throws the right hand. And if, I think it's injuries. it just doesn't fight a whole lot. He was the LFA champ way back when, but he fought... One fight in 2020, two fights in 2021, took 2022 off, and this had one fight in 2023, four months ago, against Nate Landwehr. In that fight especially, he's coming off of a bunch of cancellations due to injury, and he started off decent against Nate Landwehr. I'd say he won the first round against Nate, but he looks super robotic and choppy. And then in the second round, as soon as he starts to fatigue, Nate's pace is just too much with him. He just swarms him, eventually gets him down, Rainica chokes him. With Melk, I feel like it'll be much of the same. Maybe Lingo stands in front of him early, but he's going to get start getting chopped up. He's going to start getting hit. He's only 29. He's in a good gym. He could come out as a better version of himself. But Melk's sophomore outing in the UFC, I feel like he'll have made the better adjustments. He's a little bit faster. He's a bit of a crisper striker. I'm worried about his takedown defense, but Lingo doesn't mix up his wrestling in any of his fights, mm-hmm. nor do I think his wrestling's all that good. So it, the basicness of his 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, I feel like that'll get figured out. Now in the Luis Saldana fight, Saldana is running circles around him in the first round, and then Saldana tires, and that basic one-two, 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 it ends up working down the stretch simply because you know you just it's more consistent. The judges end up giving him the second and the third round. Milk's got to go out there and fight a second and third, but taking a short notice fight against Thiago Moises that's a tough task. Getting a full t- camp to take on Austin Lingo much better. The money line don't love. But again, on a greasy card like this, you're going to have to take some of these spots, and I feel like this is one of the ones that I'll be attacking.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I like Costa to get the job done. Over on prize picks, they've got one and a half takedowns for Costa. I don't really think it's really a wrestling fight from his standpoint whatsoever. I think he's got the more well-rounded skill set on the feet. Like, Lingo can box, but, you know, a lot more, there's a lot more, like, I, I don't know. I just don't really feel like Costa's... Shown in a lot of his other fights That like wrestling is going to be part of his big game plan here So one and a half takedowns Like I don't really feel like That's going to be part of his game plan at all I mean last time I thought that Was uh, Was Mike Malott And he what caught like two kicks And got the fight to the ground or Got got the fight to the mat twice So you know buyer beware Fighting's fighting and crazy things happen But yeah under Under 1.5 takedowns for Costa But I feel like he just wins this fight with volume and uh, and with the more precise, technical, damaging strikes over the course of 15 minutes. So don't love the money line uh, on page with you on that front, but uh, I think Costa gets his hand raised in his uh, second UFC fight. Moving on down, we've got Jack Della Maddalena taking on Basil Hafez. Maddalena, minus 500 favorite. Hafez can be had for plus... Three seventy five. Um, I went and watched B- Basil Hefez Watched uh, his most recent fight against Cuts. I believe his name was. Um, cuts, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he fought
1: BJ Penn's brother once upon a time.
0: Yeah, he fought him. He fought him twice. The first time that they fought, he lost a split decision, and then he obviously finishes him in round three in his most recent fight. He's, he has a win over Anthony Ivy, who was in the UFC. He didn't look that bad. He didn't look that bad. I know he's got, like, half-decent grappling. A lot of action. Like, uh, Jack opened up at, like, minus, minus, like, 800 or so. And people have been taking the shot on Basil Hefez. Um, I don't hate the shot. Like, I think at range, like, Della's going to, you know, you know, strike circles around him. Like, he's a lot more fluid on the feet. But Basil, it's like, at least he's not like a complete one-trick pony. It's like he can... And what he did in that cuts fight, which, I mean, he was basically taking on another grappler, so, you know, maybe his striking looks a little bit better because he's not taking on somebody of Jack's uh, ability, capabilities up there at all. But, you know, he had, like, decent timing on his counters. He throws with a lot of ill intent, a lot of power behind him. He's built... Like, the guy's super, super jacked, and he's a good grappler. It's like... I don't hate people's underdog shot on it. Um, I'll wait until weigh-ins just because you know Basil's taking it on on short short notice here. But like, I don't hate the Madalena fade uh, as a as a concept here. I don't think it's too too crazy. Like, if he can, I mean, he's never been knocked out on top of it. It's just like if he can eat some shots early. He's gonna get danced around early on in this. But it's like if he can get if he can get some takedowns. Mix in the grappling a little bit. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at, at the very least that this is closer than, like, the money line suggests at the very least. So, I'll pick Hafez on the program, which is crazy. But uh, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, honestly, you've seen way crazier things happen. So, it seems like week in and week out, the safe pick is just not the safe pick. You know, Jamie Malarkey against Yeah, eh, He'll probably ro- Melted. Man, God damn. Look at last week's card. Plenty of examples. Just the favorite gets clipped. He gets put down. In Madalena's case, I think that he runs circles around him. But at the same time, yeah, Basil Hefez has never been knocked out. He's a pretty tough guy. This is his Super Bowl opportunity, jumping into the UFC, short nose replacement, making his debut. And if you go and knock out a guy that people are talking about as already being potentially a fringe contender, this would be a huge win, skyrocket your career forward. So... He's got nothing to lose. People expect him to lose. If he goes out there and springs a big one, huge. And his grappling's pretty good as well. He's got a decent triangle choke off his back. He'd beaten Christian Savoie, the previously undefe- undefeated Canadian prospect. But he's got good grappling, especially off of his back. So Madalena, you know, good grappler himself, probably got the striking advantage, probably got the grappling advantage. Basil's dangerous everywhere. He's got a nasty overhand right. He's got some decent power. He's got some good cardio. You mentioned the first time he lost to Evan Cuts by split decision. It's a five-round fight. The mm-hmm. second time, also scheduled for five, he puts him away inside the distance, so the guy can keep on chugging along. And I think that if you're thinking about betting him now, the best bet would to be bet him after the first, right? Um, bet him after Madalena. And as I'm mentioning, you know, oh, Jamie Marky just got sparked, and a bunch of guys last week get sparked, and Guram Kudelits, another perfect example. He's like a minus 700 favorite. Should yep. he be that big? Probably not, but he is. He's playing punchy, kicky, but he's that big of a favorite. Wins the first two rounds. Not like he dominates the first two rounds, but he almost finishes them at the end of the first, wins the second, he's up two, he just needs to play stay away, really. But it's a fight, man. It's a fight and he gets clipped. Madalena has got big expectations. He's supposed to fight like good guys. He's coming off a really solid win over Randy Brown. He's supposed to fight on last week's pay-per-view. It gets canceled. Media, the fans, uproar. Everyone's upset about losing him. That they basically take a guy that otherwise is going to be on the contender series and throw him in there. So he's got high expectations to go out there and perform. But if this thing gets to his second, third round, you know maybe Basil's able to catch him. I like what I see out of Jack, man. Combination punching, volume for days, a little bit reckless, sure. That's what makes him a little bit dangerous if you're going to bet a big money line on him. But I think he's got solid cardio, solid output, solid striking, someone that I do believe will eventually rise into that top 10, maybe top five kind of contender range and continuously get better. So I got to back him here. The same way I was going to back him last week. The same way I would back him against most of the guys in the division, let alone a guy making his debut. It's a tough task. Evan cuts is actually a badass. Again, he had beat Reagan Penn, BJ Penn's brother. He's uh trains under Johnny Bedford, former UFC veteran, ultimate fighter veteran, BKFC champion. You know, Evan cuts is a badass, BJJ Black Belt as well. Um but this is a hell of a jump fighting him to now fighting a guy like Jack Maddalena. The other thing I say is that you probably gotta watch the weigh-ins on this thing for sure because you got someone who's coming in short notice and the expectation is he needs to drag him into some deeper waters so maybe check out the friday ways and see what you like best but i would say again my pick is going to be madalena but if you are going to go the other way i think you take this as a live bet after the first round get a much better price on it and yeah could win gonna win if he does win probably later on
0: yeah fair enough um yeah he doesn't have like such crazy power that he's going to be a big problem in round one. So, like, he, yeah, his last his last knockout, he was landing some good shots over the course of it, but it was kind of like the accumulation of those strikes that put uh, cuts away in round three. Uh, moving on, we've got Evan Elder taking on Gennaro Valdez, minus 300 for Elder, plus 250 for Valdez. Who you got here, bud?
1: This is a really fun fight. Like, I think it's probably going to end a knockout. Both guys are going to stand toe-to-toe. They're going to slug it out. I just got, I got to go with Evan Elder. He's kind of had a couple bad beats in the sense that, 26-year-old prospect from Kill Clef FC. The sky looks the limit for him. It looks like he's going to be real good. Undefeated as a professional. Jumps into the UFC against Preston Parsons. And he moves up a weight class. So he takes that fight at 170 pounds. He's not a welterweight. But of course, when the UFC comes calling, you're going to take it. Now, Elder is very much a striker. Parsons is very much a wrestler. So not only is he moving up a weight class on super short notice, but he's not a good stylistical matchup for him. I thought he had moments. You know, he he showed some cardio. He was able to last the 15 minutes, but ultimately the takedown defense kind of his demise. Now his next fight drops down to 155, and he gets Nazim Sadikov. Good fight, banger of a fight. I thought his striking looked good. I think at 155, definitely where he should be. He's a kid that's making some improvements and is going to start filling out that frame. Um, argument that he's up to nothing. Argument it's 1-1. Argument that he's winning. Either way, fight gets stopped due to a cut stoppage in the third round, and he uh, gets that win kind of taken away from him. He's super upset. He's willing to get back in there. It's a cut stoppage, so it's not like he got knocked out, not like he had any you know, huge injury. He's just yet to get his first UFC win, so he's knocking at the door, and I think it's only a matter of time, and I think this is likely his spot. Gennaro Valdez, bang, he wants to stand, he wants to throw down. He came in against Patrick White on the Contender Series as like a minus 600 favorite. And damn near lost Mm -hmm. because he stands in front of you and he throws down. It's a dangerous style. Now, we always talk about Mexicans and their durability. And again, this guy does have some decent durability and then he gets dropped all of the time and gets back up most of the time. But when you're putting yourself in that bad of a spot and you're getting hit that frequently against decent punchers, not going to go good. Now, we talked earlier in the show about Matt Frivola, sneaky good power, this guy. Well, Valdez tries to stand in front of Matt Fabribola, then go good, then go good, gets knocked out. But his next fight against Natan Levy looked a lot better. Um, didn't get knocked out. But the volume, he's he's a he's a pure volume guy that kind of just leaves himself recklessly out there. He wants to throw down, he wants to have a fight of the night, he wants to give you a tough scrap, but ultimately he, he's just too defensive defensively liable. And then in that Natan Levy fight, the six takedowns. He just—he still landed 49 significant strikes, for the record. If you stand with him, he'll land 100. He'll land over 100. He will throw down. But he's got huge lapses in his takedown defense. So when I think about Evan Elder, I think not a great wrestler, but he could also take down Valdez. That could be a path for him. But if he stands in front of Valdez and throws down with him, they're both going to land. And I feel like Elder's got a little more power, a little more durability. So I feel like at some point he's going to clip him and put him away. If you've got one of these books that offers you these, you know, fight of the nights, crazy props, which are all bullshit anyways because Trevor Pete got robbed on one a mm-hmm. few weeks back. It, it, who knows who wins Fight of the Night? It's all its all crap. It's all crap. If you can get like a crazy good price tag, and this card's got a lot of good Fight of the Night contenders on it, this one's kind of flying under the radar, and I think it's a banger for a round and a half, maybe two rounds. Elder at some point catches him and puts him away. So got to go with Evan Elder to get the uh, first UFC win. You know, a, a dangerous fight, a dangerous volatile fight.
0: I'm with you. I don't love the minus 300, but I do know at least with Evan Elder that I mean it was only it was a cut that kind of took him out of that fight, not the fact that he got like knocked out or knocked out clean and he was taking on a much more technically sound and and stout opponent. He was exposed a little bit against Preston Parsons, but that was in the wrestling department. I think both of these guys just stand and trade. The only the only and I bet you that uh, the fight of the night bonus or whatever uh, the the price on that would probably is probably going to be pretty good. This will be one that sneaks under the radar, but I would say buyer beware. Dana doesn't really watch the prelims anymore, but the only saving grace here is that he can't just like, uh, based on how we think the main event of this card is going to play out. I mean, it's probably not going to be fight of the night worthy, so he can't just like, you know, just hand it to the main event, which he tends to do when he's not really watching the fights. Um, that can't exactly, that's probably a lot less likely than, than Emmett versus Topuria. Um, yeah, it could be sneaky and it'll probably be like 14, 15, 18 to one, something like that. Like it'll be pretty wide. Uh, the other fights that I think would have like a chance of fight of the night honors like that would be Sadikov versus McKinney. But the problem with that is that McKinney can't really fight long enough. So it's like, you kind of have to like get a fight of the night to work into like, a minute and a half which is possible but probably unlikely the winner of that fight probably gets a performance bonus for for their finish um the other fight that would jump off would be like a Azaitar versus Prado um could end up being like a fight of the night contender otherwise yeah I don't think there's too many other places on this card maybe maybe our next fight which is uh, oh sorry prize picks on Elder 40.5 40.5 significant strikes. Seems kind of low. It like,
1: seems low. I would think he hits higher, but I think they're looking at no, someone's getting knocked out. Like maybe he doesn't quite yeah. need 40, but I think it's a banger for as long as it lasts. 10 minutes.
0: I mean, the, the fight time Just there depends. is 10 minutes. Like that's what they've got the, the fight time listed at on this. I mean, over one and a half is minus 155. So the over one and a half is what has been getting. Uh, is the side that's been moving ever so slightly. Um, there's a little bit of buyback on that. I don't know. I think 40.5 significant strikes is pretty low for Evan Elder here. So I'll be taking the uh, the more over on prize picks there. Uh, as at Maxim, takes on Tyson Nam. Minus 420 for Maxim. Plus 320 for Tyson Nam. I mean, maybe there's an argument that this could end up being a fight of the night if Tyson Nam can... You know, mm-hmm. keep this fight on the feet, and and they slug it out. Like Maxim, I've watched a cup, a few of his fights. He's got like, uh, he's kind of a jack of all trades. Like I wouldn't say that like his he does he's not some sort of like Dagestani powerhouse with his wrestling. I know he's from uh, from Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. Um, but he's got enough wrestling mixed into the bag there. But he's got he's very very light on his feet, quick hands. In and out of the pocket, he seems like a very, very solid all around flyweight to be perfectly honest. Tyson Nam a little bit long in the tooth. This line is pretty wide, obviously. Maxim is 16 and 0, but how many guys of like you know, of UFC quality, whatever UFC quality means these days, has he really taken on in his lead up to this fight? Probably not many. Like, some of these records don't look all that bad 6 and 0, 5 and 1. Five and zero. Last guy he took on was eight and zero coming into that fight. Uh, maybe maybe it's not as far off as I think. Um, the biggest question for Tyson Nam is like Tyson Nam. Typically, when he wins his fights, he's gonna knock you out. There hasn't been any sign of of as that Maxim taking or not being able to take a punch. But maybe he just hasn't been tested enough yet. I'll take Ma- uh, I'll take Maxim, but you know me, minus four twenty is just like there's not much for me to do with that number um I'm not doing too many parlays and stuff like that but I like what I see from him I think he's a decent looking prospect and as long as his chin holds up I think he can win at literally any range here so I understand why he's the favorite I'm just unexcited with the fact that he's uh you know an 80% winner based on the numbers here what do you think
1: Yeah, this is Cody's classic apple pie shitter of the week. A guy that I put on the top ticket, he's minus 400, he's undefeated, he's got a real nice-looking record. He comes in, and it turns out he's your next Zalgazuma (laughs) Gulov, who, for the record, also had a really good record prior to coming to the UFC. So his wrestling, yeah, not all that world-class. Solid, solid, and he's able to get down regional-level opponents quite well. His grappling, his jiu-jitsu, all fairly good for regional show level. Is striking, way more volume than Tyson Nam, who's very gun-shy and more of a counter-puncher. I think that he dances circles around him in terms of the numbers, and I think that he can outpoint him. Thing is, is that you can watch Maxim get absolutely floored, not knocked out, but knocked down a couple times in the regional seat. It's two years ago, still a work in progress, he's 26 at the time, but he leaves himself out there to get hit. And there's the one thing with Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam has a 100% takedown defense in the UFC. He trained at Team Quest in Portland, Oregon, despite the fact that he's Hawaiian, for the record. He spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon, grinding and wrestling. His takedown defense has always been pretty good. And although his numbers are very, very low in terms of volume, his power is killer. Now, a big knockout over Ode Osborne a couple of fights back. You, you do see when he wins, his win condition is usually the knockout. Now, these tough wrestler boxers, they can stuff a takedown, and they can land that nuclear shot. They're always going to be dangerous, and they're always going to be dangerous when you're betting them at, at long odds because if Max comes out here, shoots a couple takedowns, half-heartedly, doesn't get them, and has to stand volume, 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 and then eventually you run into something. On the regional scene, you can afford to get dropped and work your way back up. Against Tyson Nam, not a whole lot of guys get back up. So it's a dangerous proposition, but ever so slightly. Yeah, Tyson Nam's fighting as a 125-pound fighter, and yet, you know, he's 40 years old. It's not like a very forgiving weight class. It's all speed. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed. He doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, he's got solid cardio because he paces himself, but not a whole lot of volume, not a whole lot of speed. And quite literally, his last fight, he kind of, I wouldn't say all the way shot, but he looked fairly shot to me against Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva worked him over, hurt him, got him down, was able to take his back and rear naked choke him. I feel like it's just eventually that point of his career where he's not quite as sturdy as he used to be. But all these guys, just like Morgan Freeman in the movie Million Dollar Baby, they got one more left in them. You don't know when it's going to be, but they got one more left in them. Tyson Nam does pose a threat, especially at these odds. He's alive. But, you know you know me it's just the way it is. I'm gonna have to buck up and go max. Him. I don't think first ticket maybe first ticket, maybe second ticket again there's a lot more research and and, and I gotta w- watch Waynes as well, but he'll probably be up there. The only saving grace is if he gets melted. it's early in the card. maybe you want to rebuild if you want to go that route. this card's so greasy I don't necessarily recommend rebuilding, but at least it's early enough in the card. I gotta go with youth, speed, agility, volume. His wrestling's okay. Maybe he's the first guy to go out there and take Nam down. And a prime Nam gives him all types of trouble. A 39-year-old, 40-year-old Nam maybe still gives him some trouble, but not enough for me to go the other side. So I got to go with the uh, UFC debutante to get the win. Yeah,
0: nobody's taking down Tyson Nam, man. Eh? No, solid, solid. Now, he's taken I mean... on some
1: decent wrestlers, uh, but not a ton of them like in the UFC anyways.
0: If you, He also yeah.
1: fought in Russia for a few years. The guy's pretty tough. You know?
0: I mean, for, if you're going to bet like Nam and you want to take a shot that like maybe Max or, or as that Maxim hasn't really taken damage against like an elite, like a higher level of competition, I mean, there's like plus 600. In, I, I, I highly doubt he's going to win by submission, but yeah, there's like plus 650 on Nam by knockout. It's not the craziest thing. It's not, no, the not the craziest thing.
1: thing.
0: Not the craziest thing. Um, all right, moving on. We've got Alexander Munoz taking on Carl Deaton. Minus 165 for Munoz, who I forgot had a job because it's been two, over two years. Wait till the a, next fight. And he takes on Carl Deaton, Going to be after plus 145. I mean, I, yeah, I forgot that Munoz was a thing. Like a thing that was on the UFC roster, I was just like, oh like I, I assume the guy maybe had retired um yeah what was it it was April seven over two and over two years now April 17 2021 um was the last time that he was out there wrestling is always solid volume is not horrible um he's a he's a decent enough fighter and I think I understand why he's the favorite here. Carl Deaton, not much of a wrestler whatsoever. Um, Taken down pretty much immediately by Selecki last time out. Wasn't able to do very much off of his back. And, um, you know, was able to fight out of submissions, but didn't really have much of a get-up game. If Munoz comes out here, plays that game plan, we've seen him be able to wrestle. He could make... He could definitely... Uh, win this fight with relative ease to be perfectly honest so Munoz stick to the wrestling don't be dumb Durability's always been pretty solid on his side um, yeah stick to stick to the wrestling hold position rinse and repeat don't really hang out at range and just swing hammers with this guy I mean, I think maybe, maybe, maybe if he was fighting more often than than like the last two years, we would actually have a much worse price on him here. If the guy who's, you know, he's consistently been able to put up wrestling or take, take his opponents down, shows up here and sticks to that type of game plan, minus 165 doesn't seem that bad. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull the trigger on it though, because that large of a layoff, it. I have no idea what this guy's been up to. Definitely going to wait for weigh-ins before I do anything with this fight. What's your thought here?
1: Yeah, that's obviously the biggest concern is that he's been off for a really long time. He's been off because he's been specifically injured. And it's, I always say it, oh, a guy took two years off, a guy took three years off. But he's still relatively young. They only got better from here. And I'm sure that is the case for Alex Munoz, but he's 33 years old. So he's not jumping back as some refined prospect ready to make a you know a second kick at the can coming back as a 33 year old man who's been off for almost three years and we just don't know where he's at banged up injured thankfully out of a good gym obviously going to be in shape um in terms of training with that level of training partner yeah yeah he's going to come in ready to go but yeah can he go three rounds i'm not so sure about that when you watch him on the contender series he rag dolls nick newell with his wrestling thing is nick newell only has one hand so to not finish him to not I don't know. That one always stuck out to me, that here's a guy that can wrestle but is not going to necessarily put those other pieces together. And then him versus Nazareth Hackpross took him down, got a takedown going, but otherwise just took a serious beating. And then him and Luis Pena wins the first round. I thought he won the second round. It ends up being a split decision win for Luis Pena, but Munoz gassed out in the third. Had taken him down four times in the first two rounds. Third round, tired, overextending, gets beat up. Probably still won the fight. Unfortunately, judges disagree. The second round was kind of, you know, the toss-up, I suppose. So three years later, because his last fight's Luis Pena, three years later, is his cardio any better? Probably not. Massive ring rust, injuries that he's had to work around, 33 years old, relatively past your prime as, a, as far as professional athletics goes. Yeah, or is he just a two-round guy? Thing is, two rounds might be all you need here against Carl Dean because his takedown defense doesn't seem to be there. He shouldn't be in the UFC. He's a at-best mid-level regional scene fighter from Michigan who happened to be training full-time in Las Vegas, needs somebody, Deaton's license. Deaton won his last fight, Throw him in there against Joe Selecki. And I remember the first round, clear as day. Well, of course, I rewatched it not that long ago too, but the first round, Joe Selecki is on his back for, oof, I don't know, four minutes, and the commentators the whole time Unbelievable, the defense by Carl Dean. This guy is the real deal. After the first round, the second starts, the little the little Twitter thing, whoa, Carl Deaton, stock's going up with that round. How do you figure he had a guy on his back for four minutes? Oh, but he survived. Oh, but he survived. And then the second round, he gives up his back, and then he gets rear-naked choked. Tough call. Alex Munoz takes him down. Alex Munoz out grapples him. The Alex Munoz that last fought three years ago is better than Carl Deaton in pretty much every aspect. The guy that's coming back three years later, even if he's made slight improvements, should be enough. So I think the takedowns come early. I think they come often. I think he takes his back. I don't know that the rear naked choke comes super easy. Slucky had to work for it. Let's face it. He spent like eight minutes on the guy's back just like he's got a nasty rear naked choke deaton's only been previously submitted twice in his career so maybe maybe he can survive but he's gonna drop those first two rounds and then the third he'll have to go for it just like Luis pena he'll have to bang it out and he'll have to hope that some judge gave him some round that he didn't deserve but i think he's gonna get out grappled those first two if the first round is all munoz and the second round is mostly munoz but deaton is able to like Lands some shots in the last 45 seconds, and bad judges are going to give you a fight based on the last 45 seconds. Don't know why they do that, but they do. Yeah, then maybe you take lot. Dean live. It's 1-1 going into the third, and there's plus money available on Dean. Yeah, maybe that's when you pull the trigger on him. But I think he's going to just get soundly out grappled for the first two at least, and either A, gets submitted, or B, drops the first two, doesn't knock him out in the third, and overall loses the fight on 29-28.
0: Yeah, what about Munoz takedowns 2.5? What do you think?
1: I'm going to lean towards the over just because yeah. his top game doesn't seem like super sick. And I think, you know, with Joe Selecki, who is a human backpack, you know, he still did make it to the second and give up two. So in Munoz's case, this probably makes it to at least the second. Does he get three takedowns? He hits you that over. I'm going to say, yeah. The other thing is we're shitting on Deaton a little bit here. Ashinabe kid, by the way, shout out to the Ashinabe clan. But, um, yeah, I I just don't know. The last time he's on short notice, takes a fight on like I don't know a week's notice. So yeah, we can make fun of him. We can say he didn't look all that good. But here he's got in a full camp in Las Vegas with good guys and decent wrestlers. So maybe he's able to survive a little longer. Maybe he's able to get up a few times. But I think ultimately Munoz racks up three to four takedowns, which hits that over two and a half. And that's why I would lead towards that over prop.
0: Yeah, that's why I was kind of thinking of. I just don't know if Deaton will be able to get up. But there's three rounds in a fight and. Munoz hasn't yeah. exactly been a, <laughs> a finishing machine. I would expect him to – at least, if there's three rounds, I would expect him to get at least three takedowns, like get a takedown in each round. Whether he's actually able to hold him down, I don't know. He could go way over that number. If he gets – I mean, if he gets finished for the first time in his career, so be it. Um, yeah, I, I like the over there. There's a, there's only a few spots on on prize picks that – had my attention this week. And that was one of them. All right. And finally, we got the money fight, Cody. Eileen Perez taking on Ashley Evans-Smith. Minus 220 for Eileen Perez. Minus or plus 185 for Ashley Evans-Smith. Money has pounded in on Eileen Perez. The self-proclaimed money fighter of the division. Um, I can understand it. Actually, Evan Smith, we haven't seen in a long time. You probably did well if you got in early on this, but it's like at minus 220, I can't really justify getting on board here. Um, what has Eileen Perez really shown to us in the UFC? There's just the Egger fight, right? And, um yeah. And the Egger fight is like she was not really winning any exchanges there. And then there what on the regional scene – with her, um, the fight that she had, date was that, Tamara Tamara's Vidal, yeah, Vidal, who has come into the UFC and did well. And, and in fairness to her, uh, that fight against Tamara's Vidal, where she ended up losing, was actually like a disqualification, a disqualification she but dominated. she was dominating that fight. So credit where credit's due. I can understand why people moved in on this number, but at minus 220, it's like, you got to show me more than for me to throw my money down. I'll still pick her, but there's no way I am touching minus 220 with a 10-foot pole. What What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I, I would have to go with Eileen Perez. I see why the money's moving in on her. At some point, you'd have to say, geez, Pat Mayo's model is going to start coming into play here. I wouldn't want to have some overexposure here, but I get it. If you look at Ashley Evans-Smith and like the timeline of her last— 10 years it's it's crazy this is a girl wrestled in college at like a fairly high level she comes into mma with a wrestling base she's scrappy she's tall i've met her in real life you know good well put together athlete and you know, a fairly good shape she beats fallon fox that's kind of her claim to fame i don't want to be rude
0: about
1: it. But she beat Fallon Fox with massive feathering rear. She signs to the UFC, I think, like six or eight months later. That was 10 years ago. She, she's never been active. She's never kept a regular schedule. It's never gone all that well for her. I mentioned she, she comes in with a wrestling background, and yet she pretty much gets out wrestled by all of her opponents. She went two for 10 against Andrea Lee in takedowns. Not really that good of a wrestler. But, you know, she goes through the motions. She gets chopped away. She gets beat up here and there. I don't know. Shit happens. Then she starts dating this guy named Jules the Jackal, Julian Rebo. He's most famous because he, uh, remember that video? It's like tattooed guy gets beat up by a nerd and it's Ben Nguyen. And Ben Mm -hmm. Nguyen punches out the guy. He's tatted face to toe. He was dating Jesse Jess for a little bit. He ends up trying to like physically assault her and she head kicks him. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. So Ashley Emma Smith dates Jules the Jackal. After all of this stuff, like she knew exactly who he was, and I see this thing with Felice Herrig, where she's like, "Oh, me and Carlos Spars like reached out to her because we're on the Ultimate Fighter and blah blah blah," and it's like this guy's a piece of shit. Don't, don't go for it. And it's like, ah, oh, she does anyways. That falls apart. COVID happens. Then there's this video. She, her and her boyfriend, her new boyfriend, her and her new boyfriend, end up going to this person's place and stealing a bunch of their like PPE. Going out there, like, mass. They had stuff on the deck. Like, Google it if you want to. But she's, like, human trash. Her whole <laughs> life is spiraling out of control, okay? So so what does an ex-athlete who's 35, now 36 years old, who hasn't had a fight in three years, who's irrelevant within the division, who somehow, I don't even know she's still on her roster, okay? What does someone like that do? Well, I'm at her in real life. I can tell you. Decent looks. So she's launched on uh, OnlyFans. Launches an OnlyFans account. She's making some bank. I think the UFC at some points like you got to take a fighter, you're off the roster, and now she's jumping in there against Eileen Perez. She comes from a wrestling background, but I just don't know that the wrestling's there it, at, at her best. One would figure she's rugged. She'll stand in front of you. She can throw a little bit. She can wrestle a little bit. Eileen Perez is a little too green. That maybe Rebel Girl Ashley Evans Smith can go out there and give her some serious problems. But coming off three years with the with the stuff that her personal life's been going through, you know, eight fights in the last decade, Uh Eileen yeah, Perez just wants it a lot more, fresher, younger, hungrier, and very physically strong. Edgar's a big girl who's a judoka black belt and has nasty grappling, has fought at the ADCCs, has grappled Gabby Garcia, a uh, physically strong girl. I, I don't know that that's the case. It'll be as much of a problem grappling Edgar as it would be. Ashley Evans Smith so I think Perez just mashes her into the cage takes her down when she needs to if not you know just keep it in the clinch rough her up test her that cardio and show her why at 36 it's hard to jump off a three-year long layoff so I also have to go with Eileen Perez but of course as the money line continues to grow and grow at some point you're going to have to decide if the risk is worth the reward
0: well Perez eat uh, inside the distance bro
1: Inside the distance most definitely has a shot. Ashley Evan Smith typically very durable. Went the distance with Norma Dumont, who's a decision. Three player. years. Andrea how Lee, much has she been training know, Raw- All all fair points. All fair points. And I don't think she's been training all that much. I think she's largely banged up. I don't know if this is a cash grab. And then the other thing that you gotta look at is her entire career. You know, she fought Beck Rawlings, a 115er, at 125, you know. She had fought Ketlin Vieira at 135, but She's outside at 135. She lost to Ketlin Vieira. She lost to Sarah Maras, mm-hmm. Okay, She drops down to 125 and beat Beck Rawlings. She tried to fight Andrea Lee at 126 and then was like, I can't make this weight anymore. Comes back up to 135 against Norma Dumont. And that's the last time we've seen her. If she had made some significant improvements, that'd be one thing. But I'm banking on she did it. Uh, the speed, the athleticism, all of that started to decline. The ring rust is going to be there. And Eileen Perez is flying under the radar because nobody really knows who she is all that much. She's 0-1 in the UFC, and when you watch her regional show tape, it's like in a it's like in it. I would say it's in a gym, but I've seen good fights in a gym. This is like, it's like a basement. <laughs> I don't even know. Like it's it's not high level MMA, and yet the girl she gets disqualified against also ends up in the UFC and wins her debut. So. I keep saying this a lot now lately. It's like there's a lot of fighters from Argentina, from Venezuela, from Peru, and the training is not the highest level. The, you know, the facilities aren't the greatest, but they are very, very physically strong. They they're want hungry. it, and there's a, they're so hungry, and there's a crop of them coming up every week. So Ribovics was a badass last week. I expect Eileen Perez to be the Argentinian badass this week.
0: All makes sense to me. All right, we are just about out of time. But before we go, Code, in with the PRP.
1: Yeah, again, not feeling great about it, but I think we'll be able to tie something together. We're going Holly Holm. We're going with Jung Young Park. We're going to go with uh, Norma Dumont. Oh, man, Dumont. We're going to go with Ottman Azetar, dog number one. Terrence McKinney, dog number two. Tucker Lutz, dog number three. Victoria Dudakova, definitely bet that thing after the first round. I don't like that minus 200. We're going to go with Melk Costa. We're going to go with Jack Maddalena. We're going to go with Evan Elder, uh, Azat Maxim, Alexander Munoz, and Eileen Perez. So 13 fight card, 300 dogs, a lot of greasy plays in between. It's all about getting the right order, and that's what I'm going to look to do. So, yeah, again, the tape study doesn't stop. Friday's weigh-ins. Try to get as much info as we can, and then try to put the right, uh, the right configuration together, right? The right bout order.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, my favorite three plays on prize picks people have been asking for this type of stuff on the Twitter machine. Uh Costa less than one point five takedowns. Uh Elder more than forty point five significant strikes and uh Munoz more than two point five takedowns. Yeah, it's it's slim pickings out there. Um haven't made any bets yet, but uh yeah, I think weigh ins this week, low level card, a lot of maybe untrustworthy folk are going to be pretty important to my process this week. So that is it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show for producer Megan and Cody Sapsic. I'm Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?